welcome to the Lowdown Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Scott, and here with me is fellow fantasy football pro Kyle Leaf. We are pumped to be back with you again and continue diving into our top-ranked wide receivers. On the last episode, we took a look at our top 10, at least my top 10, and today we're going to look at the next 10 in my rankings and maybe a few beyond that. We'll again look at each player, kind of consider the various angles, the pros and cons, and what may have changed, what we think they're going to do, and then go from there. So let's dive into receivers 11 through 20. The 11th ranked receiver on my board is Kenny Galladay. Galladay had a very nice 2019. His receptions did fall a bit. Went down from 70 in 2018 to 65 in 2019. But that was most likely 100% due to Stafford going down. Stafford went down midway through the season with a back injury and never returned. And so Kenny Galladay very impressively put up 65 catches, 1190 yards, and 11 touchdowns with a couple of very poor quarterback options. David Blau was one of them, and that's all I really need to say. Galladay did produce over 18 yards per reception, um, which is an excellent number. It's not probably one that he can repeat. He had a lot of long touchdown receptions, which again, that's not very sticky. It's probably not going to happen the exact same way. But he should, on the flip side of that, be able to improve his low catch percentage just with more accurate passes from Stafford. He was only at 56% at a catch rate last season. I would put 90% of that due to the poor quarterbacking and, you know, just a little bit on him. I'm not extremely high on Galladay's talent. If he was in a different situation with a quarterback that didn't target him as much or with um, an offense where he wasn't the first option. I don't think he would be very high on my board. I think he's a fairly average athlete. He doesn't usually beat quarterbacks with his speed or his route running. He is excellent in his ability to go get contested balls. He's very tall, very long, and has great body control. So he goes up over the top of cornerbacks where you've seen him make some amazing diving catches for touchdowns. But his lack of elite quickness and route running means that he's having to grab those contested catches a little too often for me, which is, you know, also probably why his catch rate has been a little low. What are your thoughts on Galladay, Kyle? Well, he's currently the wide receiver seven overall so far in ADP, which makes him 25th overall. You have him at 11. I've got him at number eight. He's going at the end of the second to early mid third round. So there is a pretty steep price for him, Um, but it's probably a fair price. He's 26 years old, and he's so far on pace to be one of the top 25 wide receivers ever at his age. And when he was playing with a healthy Stafford, he was on pace for 84 catches, 1,070 yards, and 12 touchdowns through uh, the first half of the season. And even with Blau and Driscoll, he somehow managed to have a respectable year. This upcoming year, he'll have a bit more target competition if Hawkinson can stay healthy. Across on the other side of the field will be the incredibly underrated Marvin Jones, who just puts up good year after good year, and he'll still probably be available in the 10th round in most drafts. So I expect the offense to just be pretty good. I think Stafford will be an underrated quarterback this year. I think Galladay will be very motivated being in a contract year. He's a big guy. He makes great catches. He's got great body control in the air. As you said, his separation is below average, and he really has to make up for that with just being such a huge guy. Yeah. I mean, the target numbers compared to these other guys we talked about in our top 10 are always going to be a little low. 
his last two seasons have been 119 and 116 targets. So I did push him up a bit just on the assumption that Stafford's going to be there all year and he has clearly established himself as the top option. So I pushed him up to 130 targets in my projection. At that rate, if he improves his catch rate even to 60%, which seems doable, that would give him 80 receptions. The reason why at 80, he's still a good buy in the third round range is because of his yards per reception being so high, even if that comes down to 15 or so, which is a number he's hit every season of his career so far, that would give him around 1,200 yards. So even though I'm not huge on his talent, I notice the good situation he's in, and I think he's a good buy. On the flip side of that, though, like you mentioned, Marvin Jones may just be a smarter buy. If you're going to buy a Detroit receiver and you can get Marvin Jones, even if you have to grab him in the ninth, compared to the third for Galladay, if you're giving up about, what, three or four, five points a game for that drop, the opportunity cost of kind of passing over or taking Galladay at that point versus passing over him, it might be something to consider. It might be worth doing that. Have you found yourself drafting Galladay quite a few times here? I've got him a couple times. I probably got him a little bit behind ADP. If he's there in the mid-third, I'll take him. But usually I've been trying to go heavy running backs early because the mid-round wide receivers are so strong. One more point on Galladay is it's sort of a bet on the Detroit offense, but a lot of it depends on the Detroit coaching staff, which it's not a very good situation there. I don't think the team is very infatuated with their head coach and their success is almost in spite of him. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be a very sharp offensive mind. I will say that the the Lions offense as a whole in the first half, especially with Stafford there, really seemed to improve after they moved on from Jim Bob Cooter the previous year under Daryl Bevel, I believe, as their offensive coordinator, and he did a much better job. He seemed to really get on the same page with Stafford and help them do less dinking and dunking and push the ball upfield more, which is why Galladay had so many big weeks and a long touchdown. So he's a solid buy. Again, I... Personally, I'm avoiding him where he's at because, as you said, I have him at 11 versus ADP where he's going is about 7 or 8. So if you love him, you're going to have to take him in that early third round most likely. Next receiver on my board, which is much higher than consensus ADP, is DK Metcalf. Metcalf came into the league along with A.J. Brown and D.J. Moore. I have them both, all three of them, as young guys, higher than consensus. So he, just to correct that, he came in the year after D.J. Moore, but he came in with A.J. Brown. I fully admit that all three of my rankings on these guys are higher than consensus, and I may be off on all of them. The reason why I love DK this season has to do with his situation playing with Russell Wilson and what I saw last season. So I was one of the ones in the offseason last year mocking DK after I saw videos of him running a route in Seattle training camp. It looked like it took him 10 seconds to come to a stop and just did not look like he was going to be able to play at the NFL level. Didn't look like he was a sudden enough athlete to you know, get him and out of breaks on the NFL cornerbacks. But he proved me wrong, and the, the way he did it was by not really worrying about being a stop-start guy. He, you know, utilized his size. He, he almost looked like T.O. out there many times. He would just run straight up at the cornerback in front of him and turn a direction and be open. And if the ball was thrown up in his direction, he's bigger and stronger than everyone he's being covered by, and he would go get the ball. He's almost a little bit like a Calvin Johnson. He's not quite to that level, of course. He hasn't proven that. But he is Calvin Johnson in the size department. I mean, the guy, I believe he's 6'5 and something like almost 250 and ran a 4'3 something. I mean, the guy is just a really, we say freak all the time, but he is a freak. Most of the guys who've broken out recently in the league are more like the smaller, quicker, 
elite route runner types like the Godwin and Odell Beckham and Tyreek. Even Hopkins is pretty small in the scheme of things. But Metcalf is that different breed, like the Calvin Johnson breed that all you need to do is figure out where you're supposed to be. And if you have a quarterback who can throw it up and let you go get it, you're going to score a boatload of touchdowns. And that's really what I envision. That's why I have him at 12. I'm projecting him for a lot of action down in the red zone. Where do you have DK Metcalf or what do you think of him, Kyle? His ADP is wide receiver 19. I got him at 20. I've been getting him mid-fifth round quite a bit. He'll sometimes go at the end of the fourth, early fifth. I've got a mid-fifth round grade on him for a few reasons. I'm a little bit higher on Tyler Lockett, who just has like a mind-meld connection with Wilson. And I also have, I think there's like a 20% chance that Seattle might sign Antonio Brown and just completely mess everything up. In terms of Lockett, he is 6'3", 228, and he ran a 4-3-3, a true athletic freak. You look at pictures of him, I would swear that he was 6-6. He just towers over people, makes them look small. I think everyone went into last year with this concern that he can't really run any routes. In college, all he did was just run straight down the field. And my thought was, okay, this will take a while. He's not a real receiver. He just does one thing. And he gets to Seattle. I'm like, he can't run any routes. What are they going to do with him? And Pete Carroll had this genius idea of, we're just going to have him run straight down the field and throw it to him. He didn't have to do anything except just run out routes and go. I mean, that was it. You didn't have to look like Antonio Brown to be successful. He didn't have to run any double moves. There was none of that. So it really worked out. He led all players in red zone targets during the regular season with 18, which was almost a 20% of all of his targets were red zone targets, which is just astronomical. And he really took off in the second half of the year. So the ceiling is there and the biggest flaws are just the Seattle offense. One person I'm a fan of is the Sharp reporter, Sharp Analysis. They do an incredible job with this book every year. And they always bring up the phrase of let Russ cook because he was the second or third most efficient quarterback, like right up there with Mahomes, except there's one difference between him and Mahomes. They let Mahomes be Mahomes. They don't let Russell Wilson succeed. They don't let him play the way he could be playing. They'd rather run on first down for four yards instead of throwing the ball. So if they ever open up this offense and really let Russell Wilson cook and just play the way he could Metcalf's targets could go way up and you could have just an astoundingly good season yeah I did hear some quotes from Pete Carroll about their reasoning with what they do with Wilson and if you look at the numbers I don't know where I heard this myself but looking at the numbers it looks like they have helped Wilson be as efficient as he can be with the number of passes he's throwing that when he passes for more when they ask him to do more his efficiency goes down. I don't know for sure. I haven't done the research to know if that's 100% accurate, but Carol did say something along those lines that they want to help Wilson be at his best. And, you know, he's more at his best when they have the run really, really working and he can work off of that with play action. So it's hard to know. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe if they tried to run the Chiefs offense, he would be excellent. But I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes, personally. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> he's, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but 
he's definitely a top three quarterback. Yeah, he's a great quarterback. Only thing I wanted to mention was, even though I don't think the Seahawks are going to move away from a run-first offense anytime soon, I don't think that matters for DK Metcalf. Like you said, he is going to get lots of red zone looks, and that is where points you know, are plenty, that you can score a ton of points without a lot of targets if you're scoring lots of touchdowns. I have him in my projection just barely leading the team in targets with 120. I have he and Lockett right about the same level. But last season, if you look at his number, he had 100 targets, so that's only him going up 20. He only had a 58% catch percentage. He had 58 receptions for 900 yards and seven touchdowns. So if you even push him up just a little bit, he should flirt with that 10 touchdown level and 1,000 yards receiving, and that is enough for putting him up in this range. So I would even say that 14 or 15 touchdowns is within his range of outcomes based on how many targets he's getting down there. In a way, he kind of reminds me of A.J. Brown. If you took away the yards after catch and just replaced them with strictly air yards, Mm -hmm. which obviously makes him less efficient, because more air yards doesn't always translate into a higher catch percentage like A.J. Brown had, but he is just a big play waiting to happen. Now we just have to hope that Russell Wilson can throw it more than 28, uh, 30 times a game. Mm -hmm. That would help. Next player on my list, number 13, is Mike Evans. We mentioned him on the last podcast as falling back behind his teammate Chris Godwin, and there's several reasons for that. He's another one of those players that I've waffled on a lot, moving him up and then pushing him back. It's just very difficult to know how things are going to play out in this offense with Tom Brady at the helm. Evans has had an amazing career so far, just looking back at his first six seasons. Last season was his first one where he played in fewer than 15 games. He's never finished with fewer than 1,000 yards receiving, which is an amazing stat. In his six seasons, he's racked up over 7,000 yards and 48 touchdowns. So that just shows you how consistently good he's been at both scoring and uh, racking up yards. As far as his skill set, he's a tall, strong receiver, excellent jumping ability, great hands. He's a good route runner for being such a big guy. Where he really excels is in double moves. He perfected that with Winston, where he'd fake an in, Winston would pump it, and he'd go deep, and he ended up being wide open for so many touchdowns that way. He's also great near the goal line, which is why I have him scoring nine times this year. Like I said before, Brady loves to target those big guys down near the goal line. I think even though Brady doesn't have a lot of zip left, he doesn't have a great deep ball anymore, he does have the ability to put it where he needs to in that first you know, 20, 25 yards, and he has enough zip to do that, even though you know, his downfield throws are kind of big arcs. And that's really the main reason why I think we have Evans lower than consensus is that He's going to have a quarterback that's throwing to him deep balls a lot, but they're not going to be that well thrown. They're not going to be perfectly placed. They're going to kind of arc up in the air instead of having zip on them. He's going to have to wait for a bunch of them and then go get it. So I just see him catching fewer long receptions, which is really where he's been a specialist over these years. What are your thoughts on Evans? Well, I got him as wide receiver number nine. His ADP grade is currently wide receiver number eight. He's going 29th overall, so he's been going in the mid-third round. So you're about five places off compared to consensus, and I think for a relatively good reason. Now, it's always hard to bet against Mike Evans. If you look back at the last four or so years, he's finished wide receiver one, wide receiver two in that range before having a slight drop-off last year. But he always finishes near the very top of the league. He always has a high number of yards. 
And uh, betting against him this year is just betting on the impact of no OTAs and no preseason with a new quarterback. When it comes to Evans and Godwin, a lot of it is just depending on what kind of influence you think Brady will have. I think we're both in agreement that Brady is a better quarterback than Winston, but being a better quarterback in real life does not translate to being a better quarterback in fantasy. Right. It's hard to know with the new quarterback because we've seen Evans with Winston for so long and he's been very steady and consistent. I mean, if you look at his targets, he's been, you know, 130, 130, 140, 170. Last season, he would have been 130, but he lost the last three games. He's just very consistently with Winston been in that eight targets a game range. And so will that be the case since he plays almost exclusively outside? Brady seems to like those inside slot guys more. Will he get to that 130 target range? I think his finishing in the top 10 or near the top 10 depends on it. I have him personally at 120 targets. So just coming down a bit and that's enough to push him down to this number 13. But like I said, he could get double digit touchdowns. You just don't know. If he does push up in the touchdown department or if he does get 140 targets, I mean, he could be talking about a top five receiver again, which he's obviously done that before, like you said. So it's just hard to know. And I think the uncertainty with Brady in town is what pushed him down for me. I think his ADP might have also been a bit lower this year simply because of when he got hurt last year. He got hurt right in the middle of the playoffs. If you were in the FFPC, he got injured right during the main section of the big money playoffs. Or if you're in a normal league, he would have been injured right around the time you would have been having your divisional or your final Mm -hmm. playoffs. So that sort of stuff has a bit of a lingering effect mentally, and that can always drop a person's ADP a bit further than it should. That's true. Yep. The next receiver on my board, number 14, is another guy that I'm very uncertain about. Love his talent, but I'm just not sure how he's going to do, and that's Odell Beckham Jr. Odell, man, had the best first three seasons in league history. He had 35 touchdowns and over 4,000 yards in just 43 games. It's just an amazing statistic. His seasons since then, three more seasons, by comparison, have been a disaster. I mean, he hasn't even had 2,500 yards, so down over 1,500 yards in comparison. He's only had 13 total touchdowns in comparison to 43. He's just fallen off the map. And so I guess the question is, which is the real Beckham? Many thought, finally, this you know, past year, we were going to see the flashy, high-flying Beckham again. After he was traded to Cleveland, he could get away from old man Eli Manning and the bad coaching. But he just seemed to trade that out for more bad coaching. And he also didn't look that explosive like himself. He only had 74 receptions for 1,035 yards, which is very good. It's just not top five range, which is where he was expected to go after that historic start. He also only scored four touchdowns, which just doesn't cut it for a guy you had to draft in the top two rounds. I think the Cleveland offense will improve as a whole. I am very positive about what we're going to see this season with Kevin Stefanski coming to town as the new head coach. I think they will focus on the run, as we talked about in the running back episode with Nick Chubb. He's going to get a lot of carries, and they're going to build the pass game off the running game. But I do think they're going to do their best to get Beckham rolling. And the only other thing I wanted to say before I pass it to you is that along with the focus on the run, I think Stefanski is going to bring a ton of 12 personnel which is going to have, you know, both the newly signed Hooper and either Najoku or the rookie on the field at the same time. And what that means is that Beckham's going to also be on the field for every play, every time they run 12. And he was already pretty much. 
but we're not going to see as many receivers running routes. And so he should get more targets potentially than he did last season, just because there's less options out there. What are your thoughts on Beckham, Kyle? Well, last year, Beckham played pretty much the entire season with a sports hernia, which probably was stupid. He could have had a surgery and it would have had a six-week recovery time. Now, Deshaun Jackson had the same injury and he tried to rehab it and then decided like two-thirds of the way through the season, this isn't working, I'll have the surgery. So Deshaun Jackson missed the whole year. Odell Beckham actually was rather tough and played through it and it just completely hampered his ability to do anything. Or that's what I'm going to hope. Now, Odell Beckham was just a bust last year, if we're just being honest. But there are reasons to be really optimistic. He finished his wide receiver 25 last year in PPR scoring, but he finished third in air yards, meaning he was getting thrown the ball deep all the time. He had opportunities. He just wasn't able to capitalize on them. And a lot of that was just the Browns' offensive line was bad. It was so bad that Mayfield was seeing ghosts, I think is what the line was. I mean, he was running for his life. I felt horrible for Mayfield. He had Landry, he had Odell Beckham, he had Chubb, he had Hunt, he had all these great offensive targets, and he couldn't do anything because the line was just a mess. Yeah, and I know that they did. We talked about this in the Chubb and that running back episode they did bring in some new guys to the line they've beefed that up and that should be better this season you're right Mayfield did not have much time to throw I did get the sense he was kind of throwing it up when he did target Beckham because he was scared of being hit so he was throwing it before he should have and that was resulting in a lot of inaccuracy and I do think like I said with Stefanski he wants his whole offense to be built off the run and then play action and so if their line does improve and the defense can't tell what the offense is doing that should open up a lot more good looks for Mayfield to take shots and as you said, if they're running the 12 formation, that should do quite a bit to help protect Mayfield, as long as some play action, if they can do that and really get the offense going in the right direction after moving on from Kitchens, that have a huge impact. Yeah, I mean, as far as the touchdowns, you have to assume when someone's getting that number of targets and he's a deep threat that he will get more touchdowns. I think that was probably fluky. He had six touchdowns in 2018 in just 12 games and then four and 16 games last season. You know, if you look at his first three seasons, he had double digits, all three. So the upside is certainly there. It's just one of those things where right now it's really hard to bet on the Browns. I don't have any Odell. I've been close to taking him in the uh, third or fourth round, but I just always have a guy just above him. So it's one of those things, if you believe, you believe the Browns are going to turn it around, he's a great pick in that third, fourth round range, but you got to believe. I got to say, I'm much heavier this year on taking Jarvis Landry, who I probably have like 30% of my leagues. Yeah. And he's good, what, in the seventh round? About, yeah. Seventh, eighth. And, you know, what's interesting too is that Jarvis Landry outscored Beckham last year. A lot of that was based on him scoring a lot of touchdowns. They had similar numbers of receptions and yards. But yeah, if they're going to score similarly again, certainly it's smarter to target Landry. I think if you're drafting Beckham, you're just betting on a big rebound slash lots more touchdowns happening. For me, I have a tier break. So this was my like third or fourth tier. I can't remember how many tiers I had in that top 10, but I have Galladay, Metcalf, Evans, and Beckham in a tier. And then the next tier for me begins with Calvin Ridley of the Falcons. Calvin Ridley has less of the prototypical size for a number one wide receiver than Jones does, of course. He's only 6'1", 190 pounds, so he's kind of skinny. 
but he has produced very nicely in this role that he's in, which is a number two role, kind of getting whatever Jones is not open or finding kind of his own little side niche in this offense. Ridley has produced 127 receptions and 17 touchdowns over his first two seasons. The touchdowns is impressive, and he's had a much higher touchdown rate than I think many anticipated coming in, particularly for his size. He only played in 13 games last season. His first season, he did finish them all, but his 16-game pace last season was 77 receptions, over 1,000 yards, and eight touchdowns. So that kind of pace is why a lot of people have him as a big breakout candidate, as a guy they're targeting in the fourth round there. If he had finished that pace, it would have equated to 231 fantasy points which would have given him the 17th most at the position. So his upside, you know, I have him at 15. It seems to be that he could finish in that top 15, but there are definitely some reasons, for me at least, to hesitate when it comes to Ridley. The first is that he's being drafted at wide receiver 14 right now, and that's according to the latest ADP that I saw. That means he's being drafted around his ceiling already, and the reason I say that is because he's always, as long as Julio remains healthy, going to be, a second option. When you have a total stud on the other side, it can help you see Juju Smith-Schuster, but it usually caps you to not being able to finish as a wide receiver one in that top 12. The, the second rate for me is that his touchdown rate has been kind of unsustainably high in his first two seasons. I think that, that there's a good chance that comes back down. It seems like touchdown rates rise and fall for reasons we can't really tell. It's, it, it could just be kind of fluky what happens in a game who flashes open on a particular play and if his touchdown rate does come down he would likely finish closer to the wide receiver 25 range which would make him a reach at his current ADP I mean for me he's a great route runner he's definitely proven that he finds ways to get open so please don't hear me saying he's a poor option I think he's a great option but I think for me drafting him in the fourth is a bit of a stretch what are your thoughts Kyle oh if he's in the fourth I'll probably take him I've got him at 14th in wide receiver rankings, which is right along the lines of ADP. His overall is currently at 40, which means he's going at around 4.4. Early fourth, he will not reach you if you're trying to get him in the fifth. I think everything he said was pretty accurate. He's had a high touchdown rate that could very likely come back down to earth. Some very, very smart people are very high on him. And I think a lot of it is just because there's going to be targets opening up and they have to go somewhere. And People don't seem to think that Hurst is going to get the same number of targets this year as Hooper did, and they probably feel that Devonta Freeman's targets probably would have been more than what Todd Gurley would get. So they're projecting him probably for about 120 targets this year conservatively, and if he does that, he'll put up a good season, but I think his ADP is right along where I would have his end-of-the-year projection. I don't think there's a lot of room for upside at that kind of a pick, but I definitely feel like he's a rather safe pick and a safe bet in an offense that's going to throw the ball a lot. He's going to get targets. It's just a matter of will he keep that touchdown rate or will it go back to Julio, who's been on the wrong side of regression touchdown-wise for quite a while. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. I think you're right when you say that he's a safe pick. If you're going to take somebody in the fourth round, you want to feel confident he's going to get that kind of a baseline of, you know, whatever it is, 10, 12, 15 points, whatever that turns out to be. He's very steady as long as he stays healthy. He did miss some games last year, but he's been very steady when he's on the field. And like you said, the Falcons throw it a ton. So he should get plenty of targets to be at least serviceable. 
what I was saying is the biggest downside is that he's capped. He can't ever get to that top 10 receiver spot in my mind. And when I'm taking a receiver with my fourth round pick, that's why I want a guy like AJ Brown. He has that potential to be top five uh, if things fall right. So again, it depends on the makeup of your team. He's a great option. Just don't plan on him jumping up. I see a lot of guys talking about him becoming a top 10 receiver. I just don't think that's in his range of outcomes. The next receiver on my board, number 16, is Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton is another guy who is all over the map with rankers. They're not sure quite what to do with him. And that's kind of been the case since he came into the league. He's been a guy that many are skeptical of. Others see huge potential. He's a big-bodied guy who has plenty of speed, but he's always been a little bit raw. He appears to have struggles catching the ball correctly sometimes in his career. His improvements, though, in his first two seasons, at least to me, have looked remarkable. If you look at just the stats, his rookie season, he had 84 targets when Case Keenum was his quarterback mainly. He put up 42 receptions for 704 yards, which, you know, is pretty respectable for a rookie. In his second season, though, he jumped to 124 targets, 72 receptions for 1,112 yards and six touchdowns. And mind you, that was with Joe Flacco playing for eight of those games. Once Drew Locke came in, he seemed to have a pretty good rapport with him. His numbers did fall a bit last season when they lost Emmanuel Sanders, when they traded him away, I should say, but that is to be expected. When the defense can kind of key on you and there's no other weapons, you're going to you know, see a lot of extra pressure and not have as good of stats. I have a lot to say here, but I'll stop because I know you're a Broncos fan. What are your thoughts on Sutton? Well, if you look back to last year, he was actually statistically the most consistent receiver in the NFL in terms of he didn't have a single bad game. He was like over 10 fantasy points in every game the entire year, I believe. So he was just incredibly consistent. Now, what made Cortland Sutton so good was just this massive amount of upside. And he had a good year last year, but it was never really fulfilled or met. The left tackle for the Broncos had 15 holding penalties last year. (laughs) And Garrett Bowles cost Cortland Sutton over two or 300 yards last year. And that's probably a conservative estimate, just watching games and just calls and plays that had to be just walk it back, walk it back 15 yards on holding penalty after holding penalty. He had a game where he had more than one a game. So there was that. And Sutton also led the league in most drawn pass interferences. He had, like, he had 12 pass interferences multiple times in the end zone. He caught touchdowns where his feet were like two inches outside of the end zone, so it didn't count. He could have easily had 15 touchdowns last year if you could move things one inch this way, one inch that way. He was on the verge of having a monster season. Now that I'm done complaining as a Bronco fan about my internal rage at Garrett Bowles, this year is exciting, but not as much for Cortland Sutton. I was high in Cortland Sutton last year. This year, I'm going to be lower on him. I think the entrance of Jerry Judy and probably the emergence of Noah Fant will lower the targets. I also believe they might use Hamler in a bunch of gadget plays, and uh, they'll be running the ball with Melvin Gordon. So there's a lot of options suddenly in Denver, and the offensive as a whole could be significantly better, but I don't see Cortland Sutton having more targets, even if he's going to be a breakout player in this upcoming year. So could he catch 12 to 15 touchdowns? Yes, but I don't see his usage going up any. So I think he's a little bit capped. Interesting. Yeah, this is a guy we see very differently. I mean, for me, Jerry Judy is good. 
he's going to be a good player. I think as a rookie, he's going to be getting his feet under him, though. And I think short-term, he's actually going to help Sutton because he's going to keep them from doubling him, keeping the safety over the top. They have to pay attention to Judy. And they already have to pay attention to Fant, who looked like he was on the verge of a breakout last season. To me, if you're the best receiver on a team, then weapons only help you. If you're Julio Jones, it doesn't matter how many weapons you put around him. He's going to get the targets. Now, that does depend somewhat on having a good quarterback, a quarterback you have rapport with. But to me, Sutton showed he is a great receiver. I mean, he was very impressive in pretty much every area of his game last year. And that was, again, with some very mediocre to bad quarterback play. So if Drew Locke takes a step forward, I do see his targets moving up. So we just see it differently. I think he's going to hit that 130 range, which should push him up into this, you know, around YRC or 15. I could be wrong. I've been wrong many times before. Well, this is the difference between you and me. You are an optimistic, happy Chiefs fan, and I am a depressed, miserable Broncos fan who hasn't seen who has not seen any glory in 22 years. Yeah, it plays in. It really does. So it's like uh, I often have Chiefs rated too highly or in the past too lowly because you're just too close to it. So hey, take some heart. I think Sutton's going to have a big year this year, and. You just hope that I'm right. Well, I can be um, happy as a fan, but not as a fantasy player. Right. I mean, I have him. He's been going about in the fifth round most drafts I've seen. I have been getting a pretty fair amount of him in the fifth because I think he's a good value there based on my projections for him. It just depends on whether you believe. I think if you wait till the sixth, he's probably going to be gone. I wouldn't advise taking him in the fourth. I think a fifth is a fair place for him. The next player on my board is another controversial. I am full of controversial takes. And here's what I'm going to say about this real briefly. If you want to win in fantasy football, you shouldn't always go with ADP. You should find the guys you like and project what you think they're going to do and then choose based on that. And if you do that, not being stupid, don't take a guy three rounds too early because you like him, but be smart about it and it will pay off because when you hit, it'll hit big. You'll have him in a bunch of leagues and you'll win a lot of those leagues. So that said, I have Marquise Hollywood Brown taking a big step this season. He only had 71 targets in his rookie season. A lot of that was due to not playing very much. And he had back and forth issues with injury. And also he was just trying to figure out the offense, I think. He finished with only 46 catches for 584 yards. So obviously, if I have him here, I'm projecting a huge leap in year two. I do have him projected to get 118 targets, so an extra 50 targets. Some of that is because I think he's going to be healthy the whole year. You have to project that way at least. And some is due to what I see happening with the Ravens as an offense. I think they're going to pass the ball more as teams scheme to take away the run game. They dominated last season with the run, but I think the teams are going to key on that. They're going to double Lamar kind of with an outside and inside guy to try to take away his running lanes. They're already stacking the box, which didn't stop them. But they're going to do everything they can. And I think Harbaugh has also spoken this offseason about wanting to take the next step as an offense and becoming excellent in the passing game as well. So I just think they're going to shift that way partly by necessity, partly on purpose and pass the ball more. It's obvious from what I've seen this offseason, Brown's been training like crazy. He's stronger, he's bigger, and obviously he understands the game more. So for all those reasons, I see a very big leap. I think he's a bit like Odell Beckham as an athlete. He's very quick and short area, and he has very good long speed as well. He's probably even faster than Beckham long speed wise. He has a sprinter's background. So a lot of it is going to depend on Lamar growing as a deep passer and his willingness to do it and his accuracy and all that. But I think overall, he's going to surprise a lot of people. What are your thoughts, Kyle? 
Well, you have him at 17. I've got him at wide receiver 26, and the consensus is wide receiver 28, which puts him at 68th overall, which means you can have him in the sixth, seventh round rather consistently. Mm -hmm. So he is definitely a guy to take a chance on, and you can get him at a pretty good price. I mean, I'd rather have Marquise Brown in the sixth than having some of these players like maybe a Cooper Cup at the end of the fourth. So there is a lot of upside with him because he has big play potential. It's just a matter of how you see the offense. Now, I believe the Baltimore Ravens will have probably the top one or two offenses in the NFL, maybe three if you are a believer in Dallas. For me, it's a question of how much will he be targeted. I believe the Ravens will be passing more, as you said. I expect the passing game to be not as efficient as last year. I don't think that was a sustainable efficiency. But if he stays healthy, he could get you a lot of like really, really big games. I definitely prefer Marquise Brown in best ball compared to redraft. I think he is a great best ball pick. In redraft, there'll be some weeks where he won't put up very many points, but there'll be others where he could just, you know, catch a 70-yard touchdown. There is upside there. It's hard for me to project a huge target count. If he gets to 100 targets, then I think, Kevin, you'll be absolutely right in your uh, ranking of 17th overall. But I could see scenarios where he only gets five to six targets a game. Mm -hmm. Oh, certainly. I mean, if he only gets 80 targets, it's not a good pick in the sixth round. That said, like you said, you're still going to have some big weeks, blow-up weeks uh, regardless, that are going to help you. It's a risky pick. And like you said, you mentioned where ADP is. That's been a helpful addition in this podcast, hearing where guys are going. And generally, if you follow that, you're going to miss out on a lot of these guys with high upside because they're usually grabbed a little bit before ADP, especially in leagues where you have sharp drafters. It's a risky ranking, but I believe in them. So we'll see what happens. My next receiver, number 18, is Tyler Lockett. We mentioned him earlier when we were talking about DK Metcalf. Lockett is, you know, a very consistent, steady receiver. He has a great connection with Russell Wilson. It's hard to believe, though, that I'm ranking two receivers on the run-heavy Seahawks inside my top 20. It's just that when I study the numbers, those are the two guys that are going to be targeted, in my opinion. Those are the two guys that are going to get the vast majority of the action in the passing game. And so I think if they hit the projections I have for them, they're both going to be worth that pick. Lockett had 82 receptions for over 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns last season, which is very good numbers, kind of low yards per reception numbers. But that makes sense because he runs a lot of routes from the slot, a lot of short to intermediate routes. I have him projected for 77, so just five fewer receptions, and 985, a little bit less yards, and six, a little bit less touchdowns. The reason I have him coming down in all those areas is because I have Metcalf coming up, essentially. I think as Metcalf grows and gets a little bit more established, a little bit more target share, even though Lockett is excellent and has a great connection, he's just going to be looked to just a little bit less, which is going to push him down. I mean, I still have him in the top 20. He's been going in around the fifth or sixth round, sometimes the seventh. He's a great pick. Again, a great floor pick. He's not going to disappoint you and disappear outside of injury. But the upside is capped when he's got a player like Metcalf, who's such a target hog in the red zone. What are your thoughts on Lockett, Kyle? Well, it's funny you talk about him disappearing because that's what he did towards the end of last year. Oh, I stand corrected. Oh, he put up a zero during one of the most important weeks of the year. I do remember that. Yeah, that was painful. Him and the zero by Cooper Cup were some of the most painful financial decisions of my life. But I'm a believer in Tyler Lockett. 
Lockett finished 23rd in PPR last year, and he also finished 23rd in PPR the year before. So he's been consistent in that regard. You have him at 17th overall, I think. 18th, yeah. And I've got him at – actually, we both have him at 18th. There you go. Yeah, we have the same ranking on him. But he is consensus number 23 this year, and you can have him at 56 overall on average, which is a fifth-round grade. Mm-hmm. Him and – DK Metcalf are sort of going in that same range. I can see why you would have DK Metcalf a bit higher. The drawbacks are what is Seattle's offense going to look like? I still see it being a bit run heavy. I think they can support both players because they are both extremely efficient. I have a sneaking bit of concern about them signing Antonio Brown. I believe that's a possibility. But Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson are just so good together. They just read each other very well. It sort of reminds me of Aaron Rodgers back in the day when he was playing with Jordy Nelson. Yeah, he's been a very steady, consistent player. He did have that zero, as you mentioned, but he's played in 16 games, four out of five seasons, and in the other one, he played in 15. So even though he's a small guy, very small, he's been very durable. And because of that, and because of his rapport with Wilson, I think he has a great floor. The main thing with me is, personally, because I have him down here below Sutton, below Metcalf, and he's going most of the time in the fifth, I just won't have much of him. But if he falls to the sixth and I have a team where I need some consistent floor, he's a great option. He's someone you should consider. Or if you think he's going to outdo what Metcalf does this year and remain the number one option, he's a great choice in the fifth. The next receiver on my board, number 19, just a couple left here today, and we might cover a few extra, but number 19 for me is Robert Woods. Woods is one of those guys I did not anticipate I would have this high. I've never been big on him as far as his talent, and when you watch him, doesn't jump off the screen, but he is incredibly consistent, even though he's also kind of small. He's only six foot, 195 pounds. He has just found a great place in this Rams offense. It was the perfect situation for him after starting his career in Buffalo. He's got a good rapport with Goff, and he gets even more targets than Lockett. So if you have him ranked higher, like around wide receiver 15, I don't have a problem with that. He did finish at 14 last season. So the only reason I have him down here at 19 is because I just don't see the big upside. I like to draft guys with potential to jump up tiers with big upside to outdo their draft position, and I just don't see him scoring eight times, which would really be something that would push him up the board points-wise. I think six is the highest he's ever scored, and last season he only had two. There's risk that his targets also could come down a bit this season. I have him coming down from 139, which was a huge number, to about 120. And I have his receptions falling from 90 to 74. The main reason I think those will come down is if they continue to run a lot of that 12 personnel that they really specialized in late in the season, I think they'll do that because they, first of all, to help the running game, but secondly, because they believe in Higby and Everett. I think they want these guys, two tight ends, they want them involved and they want to target them as much as they can because both of them have great run after the catch ability. They're both big and are just really improving players. So if that happens and the offense sort of just tilts a little bit toward those guys, Cup is still going to be heavily involved as well. I have him ranked just below here. I just don't see the huge upside for Woods. That said, I have him at 19. He's a great option. Another floor guy, another guy who's going to produce as long as he's healthy consistently and uh, give you that nice floor. What are your thoughts on Robert Woods? I got him at my wide receiver 16. So far, the consensus is wide receiver 18 and 46 overall. So he's got a mid fourth round grade. 
I think to understand Robert Woods this year, you have to understand what the Rams are doing on offense. The Rams offense took a step back last year because teams adjusted to the offense. They started running a defense similar to what the Patriots did in the Super Bowl. And it took a while for the Rams to adjust to this. And they even had to basically change the way they played because they got figured out. Mm-hmm. So what happened was the Rams, towards the end of last year, like the second half of the season, they started transitioning from what was usually a 11 personnel formation with three wide receivers. They transitioned to a 12 personnel with two tight ends. And this is at the same time where Higby started to take off and the offense as a whole started to improve. Now, over this time, once they did this, Cooper Cup took a big step back, but it was a big step forward for Robert Woods. Ended up on the final seven weeks of the season, he was wide receiver six, catching 45 of 68 targets for 568 yards and multiple touchdowns. So the change in the formation really helped Robert Woods when they started running a bit more of the 12 personnel, and it also caused Tyler Higby to break out. So we'll have to see what the Rams do this upcoming year. If they go back to the 11 personnel, run out there with some Josh Reynolds, who wasn't a very good replacement for Brandon Cooks, then we might have a problem. But a lot of it depends on how they see Josh Reynolds this upcoming season. Is he a good wide receiver three enough to make the 11 personnel work? Or are they going to go more to the 12 personnel? Yeah, and the interesting thing too is that Cup saw his involvement plummet when they moved to the 12 personnel, mainly because Cup is just not an outside receiver. So a lot of times they would have Woods on one side and bring in Reynolds to the other side and leave Cup on the sidelines. Wasn't, you know, out there and just not getting targeted. He just wasn't out there as much once they made that shift. And so that's, for me, that's why I have Cup further down. I hear what you're saying about this helping Woods when they move to the 12 personnel and very well could be that, you know, where you have them around 15 or 16 is a smarter place to put them. It's just kind of my instincts a little bit that they're going to push more to target those other guys more often some of the quotes I've heard out of camp of how much they like them and want to involve them. So again, that's a gut call. I think either way, we're pretty close on Woods having him 16 and 19. I think that's a solid call because I just can't see them just leaving Cup on the bench as much. He wasn't on the field that much at all in the second half of the year. And that's why he had that zero one week. And everyone was tweeting during the game, like, is Cup hurt? What's going on? Why is Reynolds out there? Right. And it was just simply a formational thing. And it just doesn't make sense to not use your best players. So even though the 12 formation had a lot of success on the field, I see McVay being smart enough to adapt his scheme to fit the players and the talent he has. Yep, I agree. Either way, Woods is a solid pick here in the fourth, fifth round range. The next player, the 20th on my list, is Terry McLaurin. He's another guy I did not expect to have in my top 20. McLaurin was shockingly good in 2019. Really came out of nowhere to a large degree. He was drafted in the third round. He was not expected even to go that high. He certainly wasn't expected to do much as a rookie. But from the get-go, he just put up some huge weeks and some really long touchdowns, impressive route running. He finished the year with 93 targets, so not too high. But for a rookie, that's excellent and had 58 receptions for 919 yards and seven touchdowns. Very, very impressive, that kind of yardage and touchdown marker for a rookie. I do expect Washington to improve at least moderately this season. Haskins should be better, even if he's not a world beater in his second season. They'll hopefully have Geis, fingers crossed, for the whole year. They've added talent to the offense with guys like the Antonios, 
Gibson and Gandy Golden. They did just lose today Kelvin Harmon to a torn ACL, but that shouldn't affect him too much. He wasn't that great last season, and I think Gandy Golden should be able to step in for him. Year two for McLaurin at wide receiver, I think he's going to take a step forward. There's also a new offense in town. They brought in Ron Rivera as head coach and Scott Turner, North Turner's son, as their OC. So this offense should move the ball better regardless, just with better coaching and these guys in the system for another year, or in a new system, but you know, in the NFL for another year. I think they're going to have more scoring opportunities. They really couldn't have less, and they're going to have more opportunities to rack up yardage. I look for McLaurin sort of like Marquise Brown, just to figure things out that much more in his second year and take a big jump. I have him jumping up to 125 targets and finishing almost at 1,000 yards on the year. What do you think of Terry McLaurin, Kyle? I thought he had a great rookie year, and he did it all on only 93 targets. He almost had 1,000 yards, and he managed seven touchdowns with a team that wasn't really putting up any points. So that's very impressive. I heard the name Ron Rivera, and I can now see why you're so excited about Darius Geis. But the offense as a whole, I mean, it can't get worse. So he had a good year with a bad offense, and I think it's probably smart to be aggressive with Terry McLaurin. I think Haskins will take a step forward. When he was targeted, he was very successful. And I see a top 15 wide receiver performance, and he's going to be locked into a ton of targets because the Antonios, that's the rest of the offense. I'm sorry, I can't get too excited about Gandy Golden and Antonio Gibson. I don't even blame you. They also have no one at tight end. I was about to ask, who's their tight end? I mean, Jeremy Sprinkle, I believe. They also like Logan Thomas, I think is his name. I mean, there's going to be, there's got to be some jokes about like sugars and sweets with Gandy Golden and Sprinkle. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it just sounds like Halloween candy. Yeah, it's pretty bad. There's not many options. And, you know, I guess you could say that that's a risk for McLaurin because they could be just totally double every time and try to take him out of it but he's quick enough he's a good route runner that's what really impressed me is he would leave guys in the dust he would just run one of those double moves and they would be gone I think that's where people were really shocked with him they thought he was just a straight line speed guy but he showed a lot last season so McLaurin has been going in around the sixth round around that range and you know it seems to be about right to me he's certainly a risky pick since we don't know what's going to happen but have you been taking him there or He's actually moved up quite a bit. He's wide receiver 20, but he's been going around pick number 49 in the main event. So he's going at that four or five turn. He's starting to get moved up ahead of the likes of Cooper Cup and some of those. Hmm. He is sort of a decision people are going to have to make Mm -hmm. between him and DJ Chark and Cortland Sutton. So those three are often named together at that four or five turn. So it's McLaurin, Chark, Sutton, and Metcalf and Woods. That's where you have that discussion about who are you going to take. Woods will have the most catches. Metcalf will probably have the most touchdowns. And McLaurin has that big catch ability. And DJ Chark, for me, is the big unknown. Yeah, and McLaurin probably would have the most targets of those guys. Well, not Woods, but second to Woods. Yeah, it's hard to know in this new offense. And but since he's the clear-cut number one, he has upside for... 130 targets for sure. That will wrap up our top 20. I just wanted to mention, I know that there's some guys in your top 20 that we did not get to. And I was going to mention my next five, the guys that just missed the cut. So I'll let you go first. Who was in your top like 25-ish or so that did not make our discussion so far? Oh, I was sort of shocked that you did not have 
Amari Cooper. I think you had him at 23. I had him as high as 11. I think that he's the number one receiver on the third best offense in the league, at least in home games. He's always put up huge numbers, and I don't expect anything less this year, even though there'll be more catch competition with the addition of CeeDee Lamb, and hopefully there'll be a breakout from Blake Jarwin. So I have him at 11. Other people on my list would include DJ Chark. I've got him at 22. Keenan Allen, I've rounding out at 25. I've got Parker at 24 and Diggs at 23. So those are just a couple names that I think we might have missed. So you didn't have anybody else in your top 20 that was not in mine except Amari Cooper. Is that accurate? Oh, Juju Smith-Schuster at 13. Ah, okay. There we go. That's yeah, the one. You like Smith-Schuster. Yeah, Smith-Schuster, I've got a 13. I think it depends. You're a little bit more pessimistic on Big Ben than I am. I think if his arm is okay or his shoulder is fine, I think they could be a good offense again. That's probably why I'm also higher on Connor than you. Mm-hmm. But Juju just wasn't very good last year. And it's a question of, was he good two years ago because he wasn't getting guarded that much because everyone was dealing with Antonio Brown? Or was he good but it just didn't show because he was playing with Duck and another guy who doesn't matter. Whatever that guy's name is. I mean, if Big Ben doesn't play or is wrong, the whole Steelers team is just going to be a train wreck. Yeah. Well, let me hit on those guys as I hit my next five. Actually, Amari, like you said, was at 23, so he just missed the cut. The reason I had Amari, I guess, 12 lower than you or so is that Even though I think he's extremely talented, he's one of those guys that is extremely difficult to project because of his up and down nature. He's had, you know, some people think it's a home road split. Some people just think he's kind of a head case, but he's had games throughout his career where he just disappears. He struggled with drops. Last season was a great season. And, you know, hey, if he does it again, I might change my tune on him. But this is left over for me from years of him disappointing. He also did fall off a lot in the back half of last season compared to the first half pace. I remember trading him halfway through the season last season and being very pleased with that decision. So, you know, he's a guy with tons of upside. The other reason I have him a little lower is that I do think even as a rookie, CeeDee Lamb's going to ball and he's going to put up a ton of touchdowns for a rookie and a good number of receptions. So I think that's going to push Amari down a little bit. The other guys just outside of my top 20 were Cooper Kep. He was 21. I just have him a little bit lower than Woods because I think he'll get a few fewer targets than T.Y. Hilton. I have him projected to score more points than Terry McLaurin and a couple of those other guys, but his risk score for me was a little higher. So he fell to 22 just because he's coming off injury. He's playing with an old man, Philip Rivers. He's a little bit more risky than Amari. Then I have A.J. Green at 24. AJ is projected to score even more than TY in my projections, but he has my worst risk score of all the players, risk score possible, I should say. And that pushed him all the way down here. He's an amazing player, but will he get a full season? Will he even play for the Bengals? We just don't know. So that pushed him out of the top 20. And then DJ Chark rounded out my top 25. Again, one of those guys, like you said, really hard to predict. Kind of a blow-up season, but I think he didn't make my top 20 mainly because of the risk for him as well. He's playing with a quarterback I don't trust on a team I don't trust, and that can help receiving games when you got to throw a lot, but I wasn't willing to bank on Mr. Mustache to do that much. I mean, they're um, going for last place. Yeah, exactly. They want, what's that guy's Trevor Lawrence. They don't want Minshew. They want Lawrence, and they're going to tank for Trevor. 
Right. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And so it's hard to bank on Chark, even though he's a very talented guy. I'll say real quickly before we wrap up, the reason I don't have Juju in my top 25, I don't think I even have him in my top 30, is because I just, it's going to hurt a lot of people here, but I just don't think he's that good. I think he's good. I should say he's good. He might even be very good, but he's not great. I don't think he's that great, I should have said. And I think the reason why he had a crazy great season in 2018 with his 167 targets or whatever it was, was because, like you mentioned, Antonio Brown was amazing. He's a ridiculously good player. And teams were doing everything they could to take him away. He still had that same season, like 168 targets, something ridiculous. But they could not do much to take away Juju, even though he was a young guy he produced. I think he's good enough to produce in that scenario. If you have a great receiver on the other side, maybe Deontay Johnson becomes that. Maybe he can produce again at that level. I mean, if Ben's healthy, he certainly has the upside. But for me, if he's the number one option, I don't see him producing uh, like he did in the past without Antonio on the other side. And then like you mentioned as well, Ben's elbow concerns me. I think he potentially needs 18 months to recover from a Tommy John injury, and he's only had about 11. So I just feel very scared to bank money on any Steelers players, unless you're talking about Deontay Johnson in the eighth or ninth round. So that wraps up our top 25, 26, something like that. We hope this information has been helpful to you, maybe even a little challenging. We'd love your feedback. Even if you think we're way off base on somebody, we'd love to hear from you. If you have thoughts or questions, please hit us up with that. The best way is by talking to us on Twitter. You can follow me at Kevin Scott FF or Kyle at Kyle Leith. That's L-E-I-T-H. And you can follow the podcast at the Lowdown FF Pod. We'd love to interact with you. The Lowdown Podcast is all about helping you level up and take your game to the next level. We hope this podcast has helped you do that. And if you like the podcast, please subscribe, give us a review, as long as it's a five-star review, and that will help other people find us. We'd really appreciate that. We will continue our ranking series next when we look at our top quarterbacks. Be on the lookout for that to drop. We appreciate you listening. For Kyle Leith and our producer, Hannah Sawyer, I am Kevin Scott. We'll see you next time.